Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. Happy people everywhere. No? Okay. Go look it up after. It's a really good song. You'll, you'll enjoy it. Be a nice ride home. Follow that up with some... Uh, <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to say follow up with some, uh, some Bob Marley. You know? Y'all catch what I'm saying, right? Get you some, uh... anyways, let's get into it. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to say this morning. I pray to speak through me, be in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We're continuing our series called Summer Playlist, and as you know, we've kind of used a song that's familiar to some and maybe not to everybody, but a song just to kind of introduce the topic for today. Um, and for um, for whatever Sunday we're in, and we've we've talked about uh, we started off with dancing, uh, dance with my father again, right? You remember that? Broke out some Luther Vander, all some old Luther, Amen. Luther is uh, he's close to the Lord's heart, Amen. Just just. Kid. Especially all you married people, amen, hallelujah. And then we broke out some, uh, some, uh, some Drake. And we broke out Drake, God's plan. Come on, because we needed to all know and understand God's plan for our life, amen. And then we went on through some signed, sealed, and delivered. Because <laughs> when you understand God's plan, it's great to understand that God's plan in your life is already signed, it's already sealed, and it's already been delivered. Amen? It's, it's essential that you understand that because if we don't understand that, we'll spend our life trying to strive to get into God's grace and God's goodness. And because of the cross, all of that striving must cease. I said again, because y'all didn't Because of the cross, all of the striving must cease. Amen? And so it's it's important that we recognize that we are signed, we are sealed, and we are delivered. Because if we we can get that revelation, come on somebody. If the church, if, if most of the church could get the revelation that we're already fully accepted by the Lord, do you know how much it would radically change the face of the church? Are you guys catching what I'm saying? Most people spend their life chasing after God's goodness when they should stop and let God's goodness in. It just fully embrace them. We spend our our life chasing after what's already ours. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and so we talked about signed, sealed, delivered. As children of God, as sons and daughters of the Lord, we are signed, sealed, and delivered. And then we talked about as the sons and daughters of the Lord, we have to learn how to come together. Somebody say come together. Yeah. We did a come together right now. Oh, 
Y'all were supposed to do the overview part. We come together right now. Y'all ain't helping me. Y'all ain't helping me. And then we talked about freedom. We went on to some uh, Pharrell freedom. Nobody, ever, nobody knew that song. Everybody was looking at me like, what is this? <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. And then last week, we, we talked about the topic of all I do is win. Somebody say, all I do is win. Y'all remember that? All I do is win, win, no matter what. And last week was not a very winning type Sunday because it was raining inside the building. Come on, somebody. And uh, it was a very appropriate message for where we were because I didn't feel like we were winning in the moment. Yet I was preaching all I do is win. Come on. And, uh, and, and so this week, we're talking about joy. Somebody say joy. And I chose the song that I chose because it's called Happy People. Somebody say happy people. Happy people everywhere. And if you know, like I know, and you live in the same world I live in, there ain't happy people everywhere. Come on. (laughs) Right? Get cut off in traffic. And you'll find out how happy somebody is. Come on. Right? Pull up the Chick-fil-A and they tell you they out of a certain type of food. Come on. You see how happy you is. Amen. You ever, you ever been to Chick-fil-A and they tell you they run out of certain things? You look at them like, how do you run out of the Lord's chicken? That should be a, an overflow, an anointing, like this chicken is falling from heaven. It does not run out. My cup runneth over. Come on, somebody. And um, I have been there. I have, I have I worked at Chick-fil-A for a long time. And it, believe it or not, there are times where the, <laughs> the well dries up. Come on, somebody. And people let you know how much they don't like that. Um, it's, it's always disappointing in life. Uh, when you encounter certain things in certain situations and certain, certain things that just somewhat rock you to the core and make you uh, recognize a few things about yourself. One is sometimes you come up on situations and it, it teaches you or it'll show you how strong you really are, Right? You ever had a situation happen in your life where you thought, man, if that ever happens to me, I'll act, you know, we plug in what, you you get what I'm saying? You ever done that? You'll see somebody go through something, man, if I went through that, I would, I would be, oh, let me tell you what I would do. And then you go through it and you realize, oh, I don't know how you, what, 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 was, what was you doing? You get what I'm saying? You ever gone through something or, or you know, I do, it to, I do it a lot when I'm watching a movie, right? And I'm like, I see a bear coming out the room. I'm like, man, if I see a bear, I'm going to punch the bear in the face. You know, I'm going to be out there like, come on. Knowing if I saw a bear, I'd be running. Come on, right? I can't even see a bee. 
and be normal. Come on. <laughs> you imagine if a bear stands in front of me? We, yeah. But I talk a good game when I'm watching it on TV. We all talk a real good game when we're watching other people experience hardships and issues and different things because we can see from the outside how we think we will react until we are on the inside of it. We don't really know. There are times and there are situations in your life that come to reveal to you how strong you really are. But not only that, I have learned that some of these situations and these issues reveal to us where our trust truly lies. I also think it unpacks the idea of whether we are joyful or happy. Because how many you know there's a difference? Huh? Happiness is fleeting. Right? Amen. You catch me at the right time, at the right day, I'm happy. You catch me a few minutes later, I may not be that happy. Amen. You don't believe me? Ask my wife. She'll be like, mm, yeah. Yes. Y'all pray for him. Amen. Some of y'all like that. Come on, don't you? I like you glow in the dark. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll be like, hey, how you doing? I'm feeling great. Then 10 minutes later, how you doing? I hate life. Punch everybody in the face. What? You just told me you were feeling great. I was. And then Sister So-and-so said what she said. <laughs> and I'm like, dang. Okay. There's a difference between joy and happiness, amen? Happiness is a fleeting thing. It's a feeling. Joy is a foundational principle of your life. And a lot of us are trying to replace joy with happiness. We struggle with life because we're content to try and be happy all the time than to be joyful. Amen. It's going to get a little heavy in the room today. So, y'all still love me, right? Amen. Let's turn to Nehemiah. Ooh, he going to Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Chapter 8, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. And it says this. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square. Uh, let me read that again. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read it. He read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and, whose, and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra, the scribe, stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand, I'm going to mess up these names so y'all just, I'm just, 
Y'all read them for yourself, amen? <laughs> Stood that guy, Matitate, whatever his name is, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and yeah, I'm not even going to try that one. And that his left hand was those people. <laughs> Zechariah is in that list. I see that name. Verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, another list of names that I'm not going to attempt to read, Amen. Uh, the last in that list was the Levites helped the people to understand the law and the people stood in their place. So they read distinctively from the book, the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day, somebody say this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Just let that sit for you for a minute. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted, quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoice greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. The book of Nehemiah is a you, uh, unique chapter in Israel's history. Uh, throughout the pages of Nehemiah, we find the remnants of the children of Israel uh, as exiles. We find them returning, uh, you know, returning from exile as a once really great kingdom returning to the holy city of Jerusalem and finding the holy city in ruins, okay? If you do some studying, you realize that before this, they were scattered. As the Bible calls it, the Lord actually scattered them. Come on, somebody. And they were scattered, and when we come into Nehemiah, we find them coming back to Jerusalem and the city is in ruins, and they are starting the rebuilding, uh, and they're rebuilding the, the walls around the city and setting up a new temple for worship and uh, rededicating themselves to following the law of God. Over in verse 10, Nehemiah says to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
So as we peer into this, they were, they were, this day, verse chapter 8, is, is actually a day of celebration, or should be, okay? Should be a day of celebration, they should be rejoicing, because they've been scattered for years. They've been scattered for a long time. And now they have a remnant of people back together. They've rebuilt the temple. They've rebuilt the walls around the city, uh, around Jerusalem. They've rebuilt the worship, you know, the worship center, so to speak. They've rebuilt all these things. And they stand to hear the law of God read. And they start weeping. They start weeping. They start being sorrowful. They start being upset. Why were they upset? Why were they upset? I think it's, it's crucial to understand that there's a lot of things happening in this scripture, but one of the main reasons they are upset is um, because they're hearing the, this law being read and they're recognizing in that moment how far away from God they have been. I want to just take a moment and pause and to, to, to just say thank Jesus for the cross, amen? Because if it was not for the cross, I would recognize my sin daily and how far it pushes me away from God. But I'm, gr I'm glad that the cross does not remind me that I'm dirty and distant, but it reminds me that I'm clean and close. Come on, somebody. Y'all gonna be real quiet on me, dude. I see how it is. All right, okay, y'all gonna make me work for this preaching today. Okay, I got you. All right, I see how it is. Uh, I'm glad that the cross doesn't remind me that I'm dirty and distant, but it reminds me that I'm clean and close. Come on, somebody. I'm glad that the cross is not a reminder of my sin issue. It's a reminder of my salvation issue. Come on. I'm glad that the cross doesn't make me sin, uh, 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 sin conscious. It makes me Christ conscious. And we see in the scripture where they have come back from exile. They've done this work and they've rebuilt the walls around the city and this holy city and all this stuff. And they should be celebrating. They start hearing the law and they were like, oh, no matter how much work we've done in this moment, we remember that we have been far away from God. And it's something, I, I, you know, this is not really the point of my message, but it's something about religion that will make you remember how far you were away from God versus how far God has brought you from where you were. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and so they are sorrowful. They are crying of sin. So they, why were they sorrow? And why, were they, why did they need to be reminded that their strength is found in the Lord? Amen? In Deuteronomy 20, um, 28, this may help to unpack some of the idea of why they should have cause for joy, why they should be celebrating. In Deuteronomy 28, Moses outlined in the final uh, terms of the covenant between God and his people, he... Uh, he first declares the blessings if they keep the covenant, right? 
That's 20, 28, 1 through 14. And then he declares that there'd be curses if they fell away from God. Come on, somebody. And then, uh, so throughout Israel history, they turned away from God time and time again. Somebody said time and time again. They knew they would be cursed, and they still turned away from the Lord. Amen. Human nature will always cause you to turn away from God because that's just how we are. We are built and we are bent towards our sin nature. It's just how we function. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and so they had these terms and they knew over and over. And dis- despite uh, repeated instances of deliverance and provision and God showing up, the people still proved to be faithless. Uh, so God fulfilled his promise. Listen to this. God fulfilled his promise to scatter them among the nations surrounding them. God promised to scatter them. And guess what he did? Fulfilled it. <laughs> Lord, please, let's, let's, let's not ever get to the point where God has to be like, you know what? Let me promise you some hardship. Come on. He promised to scatter them, and he, and, and he did. And when he scattered them, Jerusalem walls were torn down, and the temple of God was burned. All this happened. But God's promise didn't just stop at scattering. He also promised to bring a remnant back. Amen? It's important to understand that God is a God who works holistically. Amen? He's not going to leave you stranded out in the cold and not give you a way out. Come on, somebody. I'll tell people all the time, it's not, you know, people go, well, God delivered me from something, but God also delivered you to something. They quiet in here online, people. I don't know what's going on with them today. But uh, so, so, you know, we're always like, God delivered me from this and God delivered me and he delivered, delivered, delivered and did all these things. But he also delivered you to something. Come on, somebody. Yeah, he brought you out of the mire clay. Why? Because he wanted to put you into the marvelous light. He brought you out of darkness into the. He doesn't work. He doesn't just leave you stranded. They were scattered, but he also promised to bring them back. It makes me think about a promise he made to uh, Israel. He said. You know, you go do whatever you want, but I will bring you back to this land. Remember that? I don't know about y'all, but you can learn how to rest in God when you rest in the fact that God's hand is on your life, no matter where you are in life. And so he promised to bring back a remnant to Jerusalem to restore the kingdom to his people. And in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, we see the Israelites returning to rebuild the temple and the city. And they were sponsored by the rulers of Persia. Amen? Amen. So the prophecies of God have finally been fulfilled. A portion of the, of the kingdom of Jerusalem was restored uh, to Israel. And they were sad. 
They were sad. They were upset, crying. When they should have been rejoicing. So Nehemiah 8 describes the ceremony of this new temple. Ezra described uh, who, who maintained official copies of, the, of God's law. He gathered everybody together and he began to read the entire law aloud. He began to read the Torah. He began to read it out. And, and, and as he was reading, the, the other priests were going around teaching other people, trying to get them to understand it, right? And, 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 and this is going on and and they're reading and they're doing this and people are getting sad. <laughs> they're hearing the law and they're getting sad. And they're getting upset and they're, they're beginning to weep. Nehemiah was the uh, appointed governor of the time uh, of the region of Judea at the time and it was under the rule of the Persian Empire. So Nehemiah was, was quite zealous. You know, he was one of them people that, you know, we talked about last week, all I do is win. They told him he couldn't. And he was like, I can and I will. And I'm going to show you. And if you walk up on me, I'm going to show you. I'm going to throw these hands. You get what I'm saying? This is Nehemiah, right? And so they, they you know, he was zealous in, in rebuilding the temple and he struggled against fierce opposition but uh, he built it anyway. People were coming at him, telling him he couldn't. He didn't, he didn't waver. He, re he relied on God's provision. And in the middle of all of the hate and all of this stuff, they rebuilt the temple and they should be rejoicing. Yet they're hearing the law and they're weeping. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. And so, uh, so Nehemiah, uh, uh, now that all this work is being uh, completed, he's saying that y'all should be rejoicing and thank God for his mighty protection and his provision and all of this stuff. But instead, they were mourning and weeping because they realized they had lived without God for so long. They were stuck worrying about what they had gone through. Come on, somebody. Instead of rejoicing in the moment that they were in. They couldn't celebrate the victory in front of them because they were so enamored with the failure in the past. They couldn't celebrate what was happening right in front of them. Listen, we have rebuilt the temple. We have done, the, the prophecy has been fulfilled. But I'm going to mourn because I was so far away from God all this time. It's, 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 it's quite interesting to even try to unpack this as a reality for them. Scattered, gone away, understanding the word of God, knowing the prophecy, knowing that it was prophesied they were going to be scattered and that they were going to come back. Yet they still mourned when they heard the law because the law reminded them of their inconsistencies. 
and their failures. And instead of rejoicing in the day they, they were in, they were mourning in the day that they were supposed to be out of. So they're weeping in the morning because they realized they lived without the law for so long while they were there, they were in exile. And Nehemiah stands up and he goes, guys, this is unnecessary. We, this, is, this is unnecessary. He said, go, he said, go eat and, and, and drink the sweet and send portions to those who have nothing. Because he knew that now, hey, we don't need to worry about the past. Come on, somebody. Like, we got to get past what happened here, all right? We were scattered, but now we're not scattered anymore. We've rebuilt the temple. And, and Nehemiah's like, bro, come on. And they're like, no. Nehemiah, I didn't hear the law last week. He's like, what are you guys sad about? Why are you so sad? You know what? Let's stop reading this law for a moment. And go eat and enjoy the moment we're in. Now, now I don't want to focus so much on the law today because there's a lot that can be said about this when it comes to the law like you know the fact that the law was reminding them of their inconsistencies and the only way for them to go and rejoice is they had to lay the law aside come on they finally put the book down told the people go enjoy when I was growing up they used to say enjoy Jesus hallelujah come on <laughs> y'all know nothing about that y'all that's that old black church song. Enjoy Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, it. y'all know about that. Y'all know about that. I heard, I heard somebody saying, I don't know who it was, but. <clears throat> so how can we find strength in the joy and enjoying the Lord? The answers can be found throughout this. I got four things that we can glean from this. And I want to talk about this from a, covenantal perspective, okay? Yes, the law was involved in all this. And yes, they had came back and they were reading the law. And yes, there was some, some stuff there. But I want to talk about this from a covenantal perspective because you have to understand that God made a covenant with his people and God kept his covenant. You understand? And if you understand how covenants work, we failed, God stayed. Amen? And so when you look at this from a covenantal perspective, this is the day that they should have been rejoicing for a few different reasons on the covenant side. But they were failing to do that because they were looking at themselves through the law. So the first thing is, is we can rejoice, and I think we can learn from all this. We can rejoice because God always provides for us. Uh, somebody say he always provides. He always provides. He always provides. Now I say that to you standing here today facing some incredible hurdles in my own life personally. Personally. 
But I can stand here with confidence and tell you that God always provides. Amen? Why? Let me tell you why I know this is true. Because I've seen God do it before. And the same God who in 2010, come on somebody, supplied for my family when my wife had my daughter and we told her to quit her job and then they fired me the day after they quit her, she quit her job. Come on somebody. Uh, it's the same God then who prepared, who provided, who took care of us then, who is take care of us now. Why can you stand in confidence? Because you've seen God do it before. Tell me you haven't. You can't. You can't tell me you ain't seen God show up out of nowhere. You can't tell me you ain't seen God provide something that you never thought you would actually have. You can't tell me that you haven't seen God do something that he said he would do. Come on, somebody. And if you can't begin to understand that he was the same God then, he's the same God now. He is not going to change. You understand? God always provides for us. We can rejoice that God provides for us. He divinely directed the leaders. Listen to this. For them. He directed leaders of other provinces to provide safety. Are you listening to this? They were protected by their haters. Only God can get your haters to provide protection for you. Come on, somebody. He divinely directed the leaders of other empires to, to empires to provide safe passage and resources for the Israelites to return to their homeland and rebuild the temple. His provision, God showed up and made a way for them through places that they would have never got themselves. Whoa, I could preach that all day long. God will open doors that you can't open. Come on, somebody. And he'll close doors that you can't open too. Come on, somebody. And he'll close doors that you seem to can't close. Come on, somebody. Because that's how he works. Every time I say that, I think about Kanye West. That's how he works. God will provide you with everything you need if you trust him and believe it, that he'll do it. Come on. He shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Rich or where? Come on. And my God shall supply all of whose need? My need. According to who? His riches. Not me. Because if he went on what I had, we'd be like Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. He don't need me to bring anything to the table. See, this is where we got it messed up. This is where we got it wrong because we think, oh, it takes, God has to, he has to, I, I mean, I got to show up and I got to do exactly all the, no, 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 honey. He don't need nothing. You, you ain't that great. He God all by himself at all times. Before him, there was nothing. After him, there will be nothing. He is God. 
beginning and yet in the end. Alpha and Omega, he's with you at the beginning, he's with you at the end, and he's with you through it all. Why? Because he's omnipresent. He is a God that can travel wherever you are. Listen, listen, David said, if I make my bed in Sheol, guess what? You are there. Where can I go that your presence isn't there? He is a God that always provides. So what are you facing today? What are you going? Listen, you can have joy because you have a provider. And his name is God. Well, that's Fred, it sounds so optimistic. No, that's called faith. If my faith is optimism for you, then guess what? Uh, I'll just be happy. Amen. But faith ain't always easy. Because faith ain't always happy. Ooh. My opera anointing, come on. <laughs> Y'all know that about that. You ain't never had no situation that caused you to sing like an opera singer. Be like, Jesus, I need you, Lord. <laughs> I'm joking. There are moments where faith is not easy. Are oh, you hear me? See, faith is not circumstantial. Amen. Faith is faith. Good days, bad days. Working out for you, not working out for you. I don't know, God, are you going to show up or are you not going to show up? I'm still going to believe you, though. People go, oh, my God, you just blindly believe in the Lord. Sorry. No, I'm just believing the Lord. I don't need the picture, the whole picture before I can trust him. Amen? And most of us want that. We want God to show us the entire thing. Well, that's the way I'm going to be safe. Amen. I'm going to be safe. I need to be safe. Come on. God, I need 25 confirmations. Come on. Let somebody Facebook message me and tell me this is what the Lord says. And we need all these guys. I grew up in a very charismatic church and everybody had to prophesy, confirm every day. And I'm like, you know what? Sometimes you don't need all that. You need to hear the word for yourself and trust him. Come on. And then when you need a reminder, you need to learn how to get up and remind yourself of what God said then. We heard, I heard it last night. We were talking about this last night with, some, uh, with a couple of the guys. They said, how long, how long do you trust a promise? Uh, how long do you wait on the promise of the Lord? And, and, what, and Matt Hester said, I always tell people, well, have you seen it happen yet? And they go, no. He goes, well, you keep waiting. Because if it's a promise from the Lord, come on. So, hey. All right. All right. We can rejoice because of God's strength. Somebody say God's strength. We got to learn how to trust that God's strength is sufficient in everything that we need. Here's, here's, here's an incredible revelation from this passage of scripture. 
they were so bent on what happened in the past that they didn't even realize that God had been giving them strength for this moment they were in now. Are you hearing me? When the people began to fear what was happening around them, Nehemiah encouraged them to remember the power of God as greater than those that threaten them. That's Nehemiah 4.14. He said, listen, God, listen, you, you can't be as scared of what's happening around us because we serve a God that's greater than our circumstances. We serve a God that's greater than what we see around us. We serve a God that's more powerful than our enemy. Come on, somebody. We serve a God that could stand and destroy our enemy. If the Lord is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, who can be against us? We serve a God that's greater than whatever we see around us. Are you understanding? See, the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's sight. It's not what you doubt that, that is opposition to your faith. It's what you see. Come on, somebody. Because many of us can't begin to trust God because we keep looking at the world around us and we give the world around us more power than the God we serve. I say it like this. We give the, more, the, the world around us more power than the God in us. Amen? So the opposite, the opposition to your faith is not doubt, it's what you see. Some of us need to learn how to close our eyes and trust God. Amen. Y'all quiet? It's all right, it's all right. I preach to the online people. I can't see you. Amen. So you ain't the opposition to my faith. Come on. <laughs> The Apostle Paul recognized that God is greater than what we can offer in, 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 in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 when he said, he said uh, God said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength has made, is made perfect in weakness. Come on, somebody. Trust that God's power is stronger than what, we, than what can come against us. We need to trust that God's power is stronger than what we can offer. We need to trust that God's power is stronger than our enemies. We can trust that uh, God's power is stronger than our failures. We can trust that God's power is stronger than our Victories, we can trust that God's power is stronger than our good days, our bad days. Come on, we can trust that God's power is stronger than our jobs that don't pay us enough for the hell we have to go through all the time. Come on, we can trust that God's power is, is, is greater than our, our, our most hated enemy. Come on, somebody, we can trust that God's power is greater than our most loved friend. We can, come on. Do I need to keep going? God's power is greater. We need to learn how to trust that his strength is greater than our greatest rejection. His strength is greater than our, our greatest acceptance. His strength is greater than anything that we've ever come up against. Come on, somebody. And if we can lean and learn and learn how to be confident and trust in the Lord and know that he is for us. And if God is for us, who in the world can be against us? Who in the world can be against what, what power, what principality, what demon, what, whatever it can, what can be against us? If God is for me, none of this stands to rise against me. This is how we can stand and confidently declare that a weapon may form, but it won't prosper. Yeah. 
We can declare that, you know, a financial situation may form, but it will not take me out. Come on, somebody. We can declare that a sick thing, a sick issue may form, but it will not take me out. We can declare that whatever mental health issue may form, but it won't take me out because I trust in the Lord. And he is more powerful than all of this. Amen. Amen. But we got to remember that when we're going through it. <laughs> See, the problem is they were in covenant with this God, but they forgot about the God they were in covenant when they were going through their situation. Amen. We can rejoice because God is graceful. Somebody say he is graceful. Thank God for the finished work of the cross. Because if it had not been for his grace and his mercy, as he used to say in the church I was growing up, I don't know where I would be. They would say this in the church I grew up. If it had not been for the grace and the mercy of the Lord, I'd be sleeping in my grave. Y'all never heard that, have you? If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, come on. Thank God for his grace. Listen, the grace that flows into my areas of failure, the grace that accepts me when everybody else rejects me, the grace that tells me I'm in his hands when people tell me that I'm not a part of his plan. Thank God for his grace. Come on, somebody. See, the people also kept themselves dedicated to remaining in God's word. They sought wise counsel. The leaders ensured that everyone understood the law. They devoted a significant portion of their time to corporate worship, study, and fellowship. And we should, through the grace of God, learn how to lean into all of the things that God has done and offered to us. How beautiful it is that God is graceful to us. See, we don't understand the magnitude of his grace because we get to walk into worship every Sunday and enjoy. Come on. We don't understand. Or can I just can I just hit? I'm gonna hit hard right here. Y'all get ready. We don't understand the magnitude of his grace because we get to have preferences about worship. I don't really like that song. We don't understand. And back in the day, come on. If you walked into the presence of God and you had a sin issue, you dropped dead immediately. Don't matter what song was playing. <laughs> we don't understand the presence of God because we get to, you know, we get to come to church and, and, and have a good time, you know. We don't understand the presence of God because we can, we can, we can you know, yell at our wife and cuss out in the parking lot and then come to church and smile at everybody and not drop dead immediately. 
But thank God for his grace and his mercy that invites us to his throne with our issues. <laughs> we can rejoice. Come on, so we can have joy because of his grace. I got joy today because of his grace. Amen. If it had not been for the Lord, oh, y'all know that? Where would I be? Where would I be? Some of y'all know that song. Come on, tell that. Like y'all know that song. Maybe I'll find one to sing that everybody knows at some point. <laughs> Every time I hear joy, I think about another song, but y'all probably wouldn't know that one either. Joy, joy, God's great joy, sing it like you mean it, joy, joy. Y'all heard that? Down in my soul, sweet, beautiful. I'm sorry, all right, I won't get that. Oh, joy. Well, that's back in the day when we used to get into it. We can rejoice and we can have joy because God is graceful. Amen? Finally, we can rejoice because God always keeps his... He always keeps his... I'm going to say it to y'all. Say it like you believe it. He always keeps his... He always keeps his... Listen, they were weeping because when they heard the law, it reminded them of their failure to keep their promise to God. That's what the law did. This is what religion does to us now. It reminds us of our failures and our inability to keep our commitment to the Lord. The Bible says over and over that the law empowers sin. Come on. The law uh, it, it keeps you dirty and distant. It, it's, it's just enough of a reminder to you that you're not good enough. This is the law. This is what it does. This is what religion does. It says, hey, 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 I know you thought you had a good day, but let me remind you, cuss sister so us out since yesterday, amen, hallelujah. You didn't repent for that one, amen. Then it walks out the room like, that's what it does. Like, that religion reminds you of your consistent failures. And when they heard the law, they began to weep because they were reminded of their inconsistency and their inability to keep God's commandment. Instead of rejoicing that God kept his commandment, he kept his promise, he kept his covenant. Come on, somebody. 
They didn't rejoice in that. They were focused on themselves. Because religion always makes you look at yourself instead of your God. And they should have been rejoicing. Said they were mourning and weeping. Because they couldn't see God past their own failures. They couldn't see God's promises and his victory and his commitment to the covenant and his, his inability, uh, his, his ability to not fail them. They couldn't see that because they couldn't look past their own failures in light of the law. Oh, no, 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 no. Now, don't get me wrong. The scripture is very clear. There was some rejoicing and that they were, you know, declaring that God is good, you know, because religion, there, there's some parts of religion that still makes you realize that God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. But they couldn't get past looking at themselves because the law also reminded them that they were inconsistent. And Nehemiah standing there looking at the people as they're weeping, he goes, guys, we should be celebrating. What is, uh, you know what I think about? I think about the prodigal son. He returns home. He's like, bro, I done done messed up, but I seen the dad's like, shut your mouth, what? Go get a ring, go get a robe, go get the fatty cat. We finna have a party because my child is home. Because listen, listen, grace will always throw a party for you. We can rejoice. We can have joy because God keeps his promises. You can have joy because it's not based on you and your inconsistencies. And my inconsistency is based on him. It's on his covenant. Even in this scripture, even in this time. Listen, during this time, it is a time of they are living by the law, the letter of the law, even during this time where there is no cross, God is still graceful. God is still keeping his promises. God is still showing covenant and love and mercy and grace towards them. He's inviting them back and he's rebuilding the temple. He is showing them Jesus then. He is showing them grace. Listen, I just want to bring up one thing right here, okay? Okay? Because they should have been rejoicing. And this is the same issue that Israel had always had. All right, they come out of uh, out of out of Egypt, and, and, and instead of going and enjoying God and, and living their life, they ask God for a law. Give us the Ten Commandments, please. We need this. God's covenant was never, and his intent was never to have the Ten Commandments. Come on, somebody. Listen, listen, if you understand, they begged God for the law. They begged him for the law. You understand? Rules need boundaries. 
And when you can't discern boundaries through relationship, you need rules to tell you what to do and not to do. Mm, mm. And the problem is, most of us don't want to invest in relationship to discern the boundaries. And they didn't want it. They begged God for rules. Give us law. Give us law. When we get over in Nehemiah, they have been scattered and they've been away and they should be here celebrating and they should be here lifting up God and they should be worshiping and they just rebuilt the temple. They should be in there worshiping God, you know, throwing their hankies, flag, throwing some flags, you know what I mean, throwing rocks, whatever it is they did back in the day. They should be, uh, you, you get what I'm saying? Never let a rock cry out up in this world, right? You know, they should be in there just having a good old time. And guess what they asked Nehemiah to do? This is how they start this whole celebration up. Please read us the law. <laughs> they could be celebrating and they are found begging to hear the law again. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded Israel. Told him to bring it. That's important for you to understand. It's an important caveat in the scripture here because they should have been celebrating. And the thing they demanded be read showed them their inconsistencies. And instead of being joyful in that moment, they were mourning and sad. And Nehemiah stands up and says, guys, we got to celebrate. Are you not aware of what the Lord has done? Hold up, wait a minute, let me put some Jesus in it. <laughs> Look where he brought us from. My, my mentor, Bishop Tony Mills, would say, Fred, you may not know how far you got to go, but you can always look back and see how far you've come. Come on, somebody. Look where he brought us from look how he got us here look how he is sustaining us in the middle of this we are surrounded by enemies we are surrounded by haters we are surrounded by everybody who does not think this should have happened there are people who don't think we should have rebuilt this temple there are people who don't think we are the chosen people there are people who have lost respect for us there are people who have rejected us there are people who have abused us there are people that we are disappointed by all of these things but look at what God has done and look where God 
has brought me from. I may not be everything that I want to be, but guarantee you I'm not everything that I used to be. And you better be glad that I'm not who I was when I was because some of the things you say to me now, you wouldn't have been able to say to me back then. Come on, somebody. I am so glad that he brought me from a mighty, mighty long way because if it had not been for him, come on, back then, I don't know where I would be now. And look where he brought me from. And now I can rejoice. Come on, somebody. You can rejoice. Because you ain't who you used to be. Amen. You ain't who you used to be. Come on. You ain't even who you used to be two days ago. Amen. And there are experiences and there are things you've gone through that have taught you not just something about God, but it's taught you about life. It has taught you that you need to learn how to lean and trust in the Lord because he is the only one that can provide you with the strength and the courage and the, and the fearfulness and, 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 and whatever the fearlessness. He can provide you with all these things to get you through the life that you need. Come on, somebody. It's only him, nobody else, no thing, no alcohol, no drug, no, 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 none of that can, can give you what God can give you. Only God can give you the freedom that you seek, that you need, that you desire. Only God can give you the freedom from the sin issues, from all these different things. Only God can give us that kind of freedom. So we got to learn how to rejoice. And have joy. And here's the thing. I'm going to land this plane with this. You can have joy in that. Amen. And we need to learn how to have joy in that. Because joy is not happiness. Because I go back to what I said earlier. Faith is not circumstantial. Right? Trusting in the Lord is not just trusting the Lord when everything is going right. Huh? Trusting the Lord is trusting in the Lord when you don't know what's going to happen next. And you don't know your next move and you don't really. You ever been praying about something and you know a change is coming and you're like, and God's like, just trust me. Anybody? I, I worked at a church in, in Aiken. I'll tell you this story real quick. Worked at a church in Aiken. I was there for two, two and a half years. Right? I was on staff. I, was, I came on as the production director, and then I became the creative pastor. And, I, you know, it was fun. It's Aiken, South Carolina, so if you know anything about Aiken, South Carolina, you're welcome. Amen. Aiken, South Carolina is a whole, come on, a whole, yeah, a whole handful, amen, bless God. There are still dirt roads in downtown Aiken. And then it literally is divided by railroad tracks. The haves and the have-nots, okay? It's, I, I came on staff at this church, and there was not 
a lot of black people at this church at all. Amen. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say, okay? Immediately, black people start showing up because they hear, oh, it's a black pastor. I'm like, yeah, you know? And I'm on staff at this church, and I'm there, and I'm enjoying it and all this stuff. And there was, there was a lot of things that happened, even early in, the, in my time there, that didn't, were not caused for me to be like, ah, you know, transition needs to happen. But then there came a time where I could find I was more and more frustrated and more and more things going on. Things were happening and I was like, God, what's going on? And then I began to pray and God began to say, it's time. And I was like, mm-mm, Jesus. Because listen, listen, at this point, I had already tried to plant a church and it failed. And I walked away from that experience and said, I will never do that again. Never. I am not going back in ministry. Actually, I said I wasn't going in ministry again. And then I, I ended up, you know, going into management, trying to get in management at Best Buy. And, and, and then while I'm at training at Best Buy, they, I got a job off to the church. Come on, son. The Lord's like, mm-hmm, you thought you were going to do ministry again. Look at you. Come on down to Aiken. Why, Jesus? Lord. Anybody else but Aiken? But I had told the Lord, never again. I'll be content just being a creative pastor on a church staff that was growing, you know, 7,000 members, three campuses. I can do it. We're good. I'm content here. And God's like, nope. Going back to Greenville. Are you, are you serious, Jesus? Are you really playing? You, you playing with me right now. I'm not even kidding y'all. Listen, listen. We had chose, me and Aaron, we went to Raleigh, North Carolina. We chose to plant a church in Raleigh. We were going to do it. Because when we finally got okay with the idea of church planting again, come on somebody, we were like, well, we're just going to go to Raleigh. We can go back to Greenville. Aaron, they want to come back to Greenville? And I was like, hey, I want to have a happy wife. Come on, John. Happy wife, happy life. You know what I'm saying. And, and, and in the middle of the night, I woke up and God said, I want you back in Greenville. I said, well, you better tell her because I ain't telling her. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to do with that. And then, like, the next day, she was like, we can go back to Greenland. I was like, what in the world is going on? You're tripping. Joy is not circumstantial. Because, listen, had I not been enamored with my faith in God and I've been relying on my emotional stability. Well, I feel happy about this decision because I was frustrated with the place I was in. God was saying to move. Come on, somebody. But wasn't no dough for money opening up over here. <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say? So God, if I'm going to move, you're going to have to show up. I said it just like that too. If I'm going to move, you're going to have to show up. And we moved. 
and he showed up. Faith is not circumstantial. Come on. We moved, we planted a church, and he was providing. And he still provides. You understand what I'm saying? I got a job that I didn't even apply for. We saw your resume on such and such. What? Me? Can I, can I tell y'all something crazy? You want to hear something crazy? The last two jobs that I've had, I didn't apply for. God was provi- providing. I worked in one place, didn't apply for it, was there for years. And then we stepped out on faith again. Come on, somebody. We, I don't know if that was faith. Oh, that might be just pure craziness. We moved into an into a, uh, uh, RV. Right? Yeah. We'll even talk about that season, right? RV means, I, I, I was, I was going to try to come up with something quick, but I can't. There ain't nothing to, to give that any kind. I'm just kidding. Four people in an RV, 26-foot RV for eight months, nine months, we still married. So God's grace is good. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> and then I get another call because we were struggling. We got to the point where when we first started RV, it was great. You know, like I was, I was able to work and she had a great income coming in and things were happening. And oh, yeah, man. It was like, whoa, man, we firing on all this. It was like the way my bank account set up, you know, I could do this, right? And then the way my bank account became, I was like, hmm. Wait a, wait a minute, Jesus. I know you said your hand was on this. Okay. I trust you. I trust you. This is my prayer. I trust you. You have us in your hand. I believe what you said you would do. And then I get a call. Mr. Giles, we, we want to interview you. Oh, okay. Another job I didn't apply for. And I got it. And he opens doors. Are you catching what I'm saying? Listen, listen. I'm trying to help you understand something though. Had my faith in him been circumstantial, I would have walked away in a tough season. Come on. And not trusted that he was still doing something in my heart even when I was going through Hell. He was still working on me. I know I've been talking too long. Maybe you're like, Pastor, you just need, you you said a lot. We get it. We get it. Trust God. But trusting God should be the foundation of your walk with him. I get it. 
There's aspects of faith that are an emotional experience. We cry. We have encounters with Jesus. We feel the emotions of that. We cry, right? Faith in God is not an emotional experience. It's a foundational experience. I trust you no matter what. I'm going to have joy because my joy is your strength. You know, I was thinking about this. I was, you know, listen, okay, I'm not, I'm not preaching something here, okay? I just, just a thought I want you to consider. Just a thought I want you to consider. As a dad, as a dad with my children, I am joyful when I see them enjoy life no matter what's going on. It gives me great joy that they trust me. You know, there are times where they ask a bunch of questions. But it gives me great joy when they just trust me. I am joyful when they know that I'm strong enough and they don't have to worry and question and do all these different things. And as I was reading the scripture and as I've been reading it over and over, you know, he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I was thinking, what if it's not so much that we are tapping into the literal joy of the Lord is our strength, but is that us trusting him as our strength makes him joyful. And so it's a reciprocal thing. Like we can look and see, oh, he's joyful because I'm trusted. <laughs> he's, he's joyful because I rely on his strength. He's joyful because it's his joy to provide for me. It's his joy to protect me. It's his joy to take care of me. Amen? If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You know, there are moments where you're like, <laughs> come on, somebody. Time to get you a job and provide around here. Come on. But God ain't like that. God's like, I got you. Amen? But you love it. You can provide for your kids and they don't even know how hard you had to work for it. They don't know what you went through for it. Come on. We know what Jesus went through to provide for us. And he said, it's my joy. It's my joy. So for this thought, rejoicing in God can give us the strength to face all of life's challenges. We can better focus on God instead of our fears. We can also help other people to focus on God and learn to how to have the joy that we have. I'll leave you with this. Be thankful for what God has done in your life. Amen? Rejoice in how he's brought you through. 
and ask him to remain the center of your life. And you can be sure that his peace will follow that. And if you're struggling, if you're going through anything, you'll find peace and safety in the strength of the Lord. Amen? Can you stand with me? I am not going to sing. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for those under the sound of my voice. I, I ask for your peace to flow over their life and their hearts and their mind. God, I thank you that we're reminded today that we can find joy in you. We have strength because of you. And we can rejoice in the middle of trials and tribulations, in the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of inflation and all the stuff going on in the world. We can rejoice and have joy because you, Lord, are for us. You are graceful. You are always providing. You're a man of your word. You keep your promises. And in that, we can find peace. God, let us not be uh, uh, those who are found mourning and weeping because we are reminded of our inconsistencies and our failures in the past. Thank you, God, for the cross that forgives us of our sin. And I thank you, God, that we will lean into that, knowing the truth that you have delivered us from every ounce of our past. And you've offered to us a future that's full of faith and promise. Thank you for what you're doing in the lives of your people this morning. Speak peace over their hearts, over their minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.